Welcome to The Manly Catholic. In this podcast, we will inspire, challenge, and equip all men to become the men they were created to be. Join us as we journey together to become the best versions of ourselves and strive to change our communities one man at a time. Hello again. Welcome to another episode of The Manly Catholic. I am James, your host, and once again, I will be flying solo today. Um, Today, I have an awesome homily by Father John Ricardo that he did back in March of 2018. Um, Father John Ricardo, well, he was the uh, pastor at Our Lady of Good Counsel Catholic Church up in Plymouth, Michigan, and actually just looked... He was there for about 12 years, but now he is leading a new organization. It's called Acts 29, and it's basically how to get the message out into the church nowadays. Um, But anyways, so this homily that he did was incredible. It was on marriage, and for all you guys out there who are married, this is is really important. It really kind of hit me in the gut. And really challenged me. And the challenge he gives is what I'm going to give for my challenge for you this week. But um, it's really powerful. And uh, without further ado, let's get to it. But let's start, as always, in prayer. And we'll start in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for all the men that are listening to this podcast. Thank you for the blessings of today that you have given to us. Please speak through me. Please speak through the words of Father John Ricardo on marriage. Please bless all marriages, especially those who are married that are listening to this podcast. Please bless the children that you give them. And please help us all to try to strengthen our marriages and to lead our wives and our future wives to Christ. We ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. St. Therese of Lesseux, pray for us. And before we get going, I always want to give my shout out to Hallow, that wonderful Catholic app that I know you guys have already downloaded. But if not, please click on the link in the show notes or you can go to www.hallow.com backslash the manly Catholic and you can extend a 30-day free trial of all their premium content. So, Speaking of homilies, they have the homilies from Father Mike Schmitz, as well as Bishop Robert Barron. They might have others. I think those are the main two. But again, it's the number one Catholic app. It greatly increases your prayer life. I highly recommend it. And uh, this week, you can go check out their homilies from Mother, Father Mike Schmitz and Bishop Barron. So without further delay, I will jump right into this. Again, this is a homily Father John Ricardo gave back in 2018. On marriage. Seven years ago, there was a massive hurricane that blew through the Carolinas in our country. And as it always does when these things take place, it left a trail of immense wreckage. And as they set about rebuilding the homes, those who were doing the rebuilding came across something that was something of an anomaly. There was one particular area that was much like Plymouth, filled with homes, six figures, multi million dollar homes, almost entirely destroyed. And then about a block away, there was a set of really simple homes which were entirely still standing after the hurricane but had been built by Habitat for Humanity. And so they started to rebuild the homes. The builders of the mansions walked a block to the homes that had been built by Habitat for Humanity. 
They knocked on the door and they said, excuse me, what did you do that we didn't? The people inside said, well, we use nails and you use staples. And the man who was telling the story said it took a hurricane blowing through one particular area in our country for people to totally reevaluate how they were building their homes. It's going to take a hurricane to blow through our country for people to reevaluate how we build our marriages and our families. I would suggest the hurricane has come. All you need to do is spend a day in a counselor's office or in my office and listen to the stories that we hear from couple after couple who are struggling or to sit there and listen to the challenges that our parents are having right now with their children. Not the challenges that parents have always had from the moment of the fall with children, but the things that are going on now, which seem to be happening at a scale and an intensity, the likes of which we have never seen before. Our parents and families are living in a virtual hurricane. Just ask any of the young families here today, and at the heart of the family is marriage. So for the last few weeks, we've been preaching on living as a contagious Christian. The basic idea here is that there are certain things that you and I can do as disciples of Jesus, which can infect in a very positive way those who are around us. It can attract them. It can lead them to ask questions, hopefully, so that we can facilitate an encounter, a life-changing encounter with Jesus, who, quite frankly, people, is the only hope for our race. And so today we want to talk about living as a contagious Christian husband and wife. So for the last few weeks, I've been talking to my dad more than anybody about this, with the exception of God, since my dad was the greatest man I've ever known and the greatest example of a husband and the father I have ever seen. And so I've asked him what he would want to say if he was still with us here on this earth. And if you'll believe it, I've heard him say three things. I heard him say, tell them. One, have a vision. Two, have a plan. Three, trust in God's power. So first, have a vision. Michelangelo, the great Italian sculptor and painter, said this once. The greatest danger for most of us is not that our aim is too high and we miss it, but that it is too low and we reach it. Tragically, that is true for a lot of marriages. My dad was 55 years old in 1979. He had just had a heart attack. He was lying in a hospital bed, dying at the time because of the stress that he was going through and trying to save Chrysler from bankruptcy. And as he was lying in this hospital bed in Beaumont Hospital, a priest who he had never met before and never met after walked into the hospital room, walked up to his bed, looked at him, and said, John, when you die, it's not going to make one bit of difference whether or not you saved Chrysler. Now, that wasn't exactly what my dad wanted to hear at that moment, and I can't tell you what my dad said back to father, but some weeks later, my dad was out of the hospital, and he was back at work, and he was flying every single day for the better part of a month back and forth from Detroit to Washington, D.C. He flew out every morning early, and he came out every night late. He spent virtually every hour in between talking to every senator that he could, trying to secure the loan so as to save the company. He could have just stayed in Washington. It would have been an awful lot easier for him, but it was important for him to be home every night with my mom and with me and with my brother. My sisters were all married at the time. In one of those meetings with one of the senators, the senator was saying something to him or trying to say something to him. Let's just say rather obliquely. 
My dad was many things. Oblique was not one of them. The press's nickname for my father was the flamethrower. Nothing oblique about that. Thankfully, he wasn't the flamethrower at home. And so the senator was talking and trying to say something to my dad. And my dad just stopped him and said, wait a minute. Are you trying to tell me that the government won't give us the loan if I'm still the CEO? And the man kind of hung his head, tried to avoid eye contact and went, yeah. And my dad said, well, then that's easy. I'll just resign right now. And so he did. He didn't get a farewell party, didn't get a watch, didn't get a golden parachute. He just resigned. And in the words of the man who my dad hired to take his place, my dad blew himself out of the water so as to bring Chrysler back to life. Now, why and how could he do that? What would move a man who was so clearly driven to succeed to just walk away from being CEO? Not for his own benefit, but for the benefit of the company. My dad would tell you two things, priorities and vision. First, priorities. My dad's priorities were God, family, work. And he repeated that to us over and over again, and it was always that order. And no matter how bad things got at work, the order couldn't change. God, family, work. But my dad also had a vision. He had a vision for what marriage was supposed to be and for what it was that God was asking him to be. My favorite passage, I think, in all the Bible comes from Proverbs. Without a vision, the people perish. Vision, I think, drives everything. It drives our work, drives our studies, drives us in sports. Tragically, most married couples don't seem to have a vision, and we desperately need to reclaim a biblical vision for marriage and for family. I don't think most couples seem to realize that if they're in a valid, sacramental marriage, then you're in an arranged marriage, arranged by God for a purpose. So what's the purpose? Or perhaps we could ask it as bluntly as this, what is the point of marriage? Here's how I would answer that. Two years ago, my family was gathered around my father's casket, about to walk down the main aisle at Holy Name in Birmingham for his funeral. And the five of us siblings, my mom, were the last ones to look at him and to see his face, at least on this earth. And the last look, as you could imagine, belonged to my mom. She was married to my dad for 66 years. And just before we closed the casket, my mom looked at my dad and she said these words. She said, honey, because of you, I know who God is. And that, my brothers and sisters... That's the point of marriage. That's the vision that those of you who are married are supposed to have in front of you constantly to try to make visible the invisible love of God to your husband or your wife. Marriage is a sacrament. We all know this. We hear this all the time. But what is a sacrament? Well, here's the place where I think that little definition that we learned when we were in Catholic school or religious ed suddenly comes to life. So the easiest definition I know of a sacrament is this. It's a visible sign of an invisible reality instituted by Jesus, or in the case of marriage, elevated by Jesus, which gives grace. Let's try to rip that apart real quick to see what it can teach us about having a vision for marriage. So sacrament. The most essential thing about a sacrament is that it is a sign, but it's a very special kind of sign because it causes to happen what it signifies. So two weeks from last night, 
an awful lot of people are going to get into the water on this font and get baptized. Water is going to get poured over them, and they're going to get drenched. The water is the sign. What's the reality? Sin is washed away for real. So what's the sign in marriage? It's not the ring. It's not the children. It's you. It's you, John. And it's you, Kristen. You're the sign. And what is it you point to? What is it you're supposed to make visible? Jesus and his extraordinary love for his bride, for whom he pours everything out. Do you see this, people? The task of marriage is for a husband and a wife to make visible, tangible, the love, the compassion, the mercy, the kindness, goodness, the generosity of God. Your task as a husband and for a wife, if you're married, is to so love your spouse that when he or she dies, they say to you, what my mom said to my dad, because of you, I know who God is. Now let's get real for a moment. You can't do that. Not on your own. You're good, but you're not that good. Any more than I can do this on my own. I'm supposed to love like Jesus, the high priest. Not going to happen on my own. I am way too selfish. I know me. You know me. I need some help. I don't need a little help. I need a lot of help. I need access to power, and God gives me access to power. And those of you who are married, he gave access to power. We call that grace. Now, grace is another one of those words that we just kind of throw around in the church all the time with, I, I think, ever understanding what it means. What is grace? Grace is strength, supernatural strength. The easiest way I know how to think about grace is grace is spiritual steroids. Steroids are illegal in athletics because they give the athlete an unfair advantage in competition. But here's the key. God wants you and me to win. He wants us to be great. And so he doesn't just call us to do something and say, good luck. Hope you can do that. He equips us and gives us what we need. And my dad kept this vision constantly in front of him. This was the one thing he most wanted to succeed in in life. And because he kept it in front of him, it infected in countless ways men around him, many of whom are in this parish, who were inspired to love their wives the way they saw my dad loved his wife. And my mom inspired countless other women and infected them to love their husbands the way my mom loved my husband. Now, essential as it is to have a vision... It ain't enough. Now, there's an awful awful lot of basketball teams right now in the NCAA tournament, including mine, which are dreaming of cutting down the nets in San Antonio in a couple weeks. But you better have some plays, or are you just dreaming? And so it is in marriage. It takes work. Nobody just happens to become a great couple or lucks out. you got to be deliberate and intentional about doing things each and every day. And my dad would say, there are four plays that you got to run every day to make sure you are good at it if you're going to be great. First one is sacrifice. Two, don't keep score. Three is to forgive. And four, pray. First, sacrifice. Some of us are old enough here to remember years ago when a couple got married. Before they exchanged their vows, the priest would read to them a very sober exhortation about marriage. 
And in that exhortation, there's a line that my mom and dad used to pound into our heads when we were growing up. The line goes like this. Sacrifice is always tedious and irksome. Love can make it bearable, but perfect love, perfect love, makes sacrifice a joy. And my mom and dad didn't just say this to us. They modeled this to us. And they lived it in such a way that was so attractive that we learned that sacrifice is at the heart of marriage and it's at the heart of love. Secondly, don't keep score. Let's get real again. Everybody here is competitive, some of us dangerously so. Now, keeping scores for football and for basketball, not for marriage. Remember that reading that most of us had at our wedding, 1 Corinthians 13, which sounded so beautiful at the time. Love is patient, love is kind, love is gentle, it is not proud. Remember that one? What happened to that? There's a line in there, love is not resentful. And the word that's used there can also be translated as does not keep a record of. Doesn't let one's mind keep going over and over again. The moment I start keeping score on marriage, I lose. We lose. Third and very much related, my dad would say forgive. Forgive everything, all the time, no matter what. As quickly as you can. And fourth, pray. Pray as a couple. Now, for some of us, I know this is just not possible yet. Maybe your spouse doesn't come to church, or maybe you're just not on the same page, and that's going to take a while. So what? Because you're one flesh in marriage. What one person does, it impacts the other. And so, if even it's just you praying, he's praying with you, and that's going to rub off on them somehow. You have to trust that. Others of us here can pray as a couple, and if you can, then my parents would beg you to do that. But maybe for some reason, even that seems like it might be a bit too much. So if that's the case, let me suggest the easiest way to pray as a couple that I know of, that some friends of mine teach. It's just this. Before you go to bed at night, the husband takes his hand, he places it on his wife's head, and out loud he thanks God for something that he sees in his wife. He says in our Father, and then the wife places her hand on his head, and she thanks God out loud for something that she wants to honor her husband for, and she says a Hail Mary. This is not hard, people, but it bears tremendous fruit because you're praying together, and although, by the way, you're hearing each other say something positive out loud, which you promised on the day you got married, I will love you and honor you all the days of my life. I want to say something real quick about power because here's the challenge of hearing a homily or a talk about marriage. Nobody has the perfect marriage, so it's easy to feel like I can't do this or I'm getting beat up. No one's got the perfect priesthood either. And every time I go to talk to her on priesthood, I feel beat up. My life is a mess sometimes. Who cares? God is a God of power. The gospel we just heard is the story of a family that has been devastated by death. And there are an awful lot of marriages and families in this parish, which right now, today, maybe here, feel like our relationships are either dying or are dead. Jesus bursts into this family with his power and he raises Lazarus from the dead and he gives Lazarus back to Martha and to Mary. And the same Jesus who did that and that gospel is in this church right now with his power acting, wanting to break into our relationships to restore them and to heal them. I know this because I saw it. Every couple goes through storms. 
So let me offer a really simple suggestion to those of you who are here today who are married. Go out on a date this week, and while you're there, talk about three things. Do we have a vision for our marriage? Do we have a plan? And do we trust in God's power? Nothing is impossible for God. Jesus just asked the question of Martha and Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, though he dies, will live again. Do you believe this? Jesus didn't just ask that question to Martha and Mary. He's asking that question to us here and now in this place. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, we believe. Now come with your power and your grace and give us what we need to do so that we can be what you have called us to be. Amen. So I thought this was a great homily by Father Ricardo, especially on marriage. And I love it because he gives practical tips, things to look for. I'm a guy who loves checklists and break things down. And here are three things. Here are six things, blah, blah, blah. Do this, that, and this. And I think prayer, I know we've had an episode on this, but prayer is something that is so underrated, something that we totally take for granted each and every day. But the power of praying with your spouse and even just, like you said, putting your hand on your, your, your wife or your husband and just thanking God for them. And then just saying to our father, if you're the husband or Hail Mary, if you're the wife, uh, it's very powerful, very powerful. And I love the language that he uses with that. And just talk, remembering that our marriage is a sacrament. And I love how he broke down the sacrament. And it's, let's see here, it's a visible sign of an invisible reality instituted by Jesus, which gives us grace. And he talks about grace being spiritual steroids. And it's so true. I, growing up Protestant, again, I didn't have all these, I had no idea what a sacrament was, or I've heard of Jesus' grace, but you don't really break things down sometimes. And I think that's why it's so important that we actually understand our faith, read the catechism, actually read scripture, so you can understand these basic things, because it really is powerful, like baptism. You know, what happens? Original sin is literally wiped away from us. And it's, man, it's powerful what the church has to offer. So don't forget that. Don't forget what your marriage is. Your marriage is a sacrament instituted by God. And you promise to your spouse that nothing will separate you except for death. Don't ever forget that. We all are going to go through storms. Life is not easy, okay? I have two young kids right now, and my wife and I are sleep deprived. And it is so easy to become so selfish and say, well, I want to go sleep, or I want to go do this, or uh, I, I, I can snap at you because I don't, I'm not my best version of myself right now because I don't have enough sleep. I mean, it's so easy to get in that mindset. And that is where Satan can creep in and get into your marriage and divide you two. Remember, there's three people in marriage. There's you, your spouse, and God. And if those three are separated, that's when Satan can get in. He's the great divider. Just like Father Dominic talked about on this podcast before, he is the great divider. He loves to divide and conquer. That's the best way to defeat another army, right? Divide and conquer. So always bring your spouse 
into your life. Pray together. Keep the devil at bay. And so uh, for my challenge this week, it was actually pretty easy because Father John Ricardo gave it to you. I want you guys to go on a date. It doesn't have to be out and about. I know everyone's financial situations is, is different, but it could just be on a walk. But just intentional time. We'll just call it intentional time with your spouse this week. And ask those three questions. I'll put it in the show notes too. But it's, do we have a vision for our marriage? It's question one. Question two is, do we have a plan? And three, do we trust in God's power? Do we have a vision? Do we have a plan? And do we trust in God's power? Men, cherish that time with your spouse. You do not know how much time you have with them left on this earth. Cherish every moment. Cherish your children. Cherish your family. Develop a vision. Develop a mission statement. I'm actually working on that as well. But do that this week. Go on a date with your spouse, whether it's out and about, in your bedroom by yourselves, whatever. Intentional time and ask yourselves those three questions. So again, I hope you guys are enjoying these homilies. I know it's a little bit different than our usual back and forth with Father Dominic, but um, hopefully we will be able to record soon and, and get back up and running. So please leave me comments, uh, Instagram, um, Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Um, I'll Again, I'll leave our emails. You can send us comments that way, suggestions, um, things you're struggling with, what we can pray for you. Please, please be praying for us. Uh, leave those reviews on Apple iTunes. Share this with a, a fellow man so we can help spread the word. So until next time on The Manly Catholic, I want you guys to go out there and be saints. And we'll see you next week. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of The Manly Catholic. If you have not already done so, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. It will also help grow the show and reach as many men as possible. We truly think this podcast can change families and help men to change the world. Thank you again so much for tuning in and God bless you.